Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 152 of Maximize Your Influence. I am Steve Olson, and I have Kurt Mortensen here with me. Kurt, who's just off a freshly canceled trip. I uh, <laughs> am off of a real trip. How you been, Kurt? Well, since you had the real trip and I had the canceled or postponed trip, I'm doing good. I got a lot done because when you have the three or four days blocked out, you get some things done. That's true. I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, because we talked about this before, that when you go on a speaking trip, it's not really working because when you get back, everything's piled up and no one really thinks you've been working, even though you've been speaking eight to ten hours a day. You tell your friends, <laughs> hey, I'm going out of town on business. I'm speaking during the day. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. You're going to get so much done. No, like, uh, no, not at all. Yeah, I'm going to New York for three days. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm not going to see much. but <laughs> yeah. I get on an Uber. I go to my hotel and type on my slides and fix them, and then I present, and then I'm wiped out. Completely dead <laughs> that night. That's how it goes, right? So I'm, I'm, I could be closest to 100% I've been because, yeah, it was postponed to December. I was supposed to be in the Middle East and got some stuff done, got some honeydew list stuff done, got a lot of work done. It was good. A honeydew list. I mean, if you can spend some time on that, I don't pretend to be a marriage expert, but guys, if you, if you address <laughs> Just that try. honeydew list once a month and even try, oh, what a great investment. Well, here are the points that I got. So the clothes washer was acting up, wasn't working, wasn't draining. Of course, you call a repair person, and I didn't like this guy. Very Seemed very deceptive, wanted to charge all this money, replaced all these parts, and I'm just, that subconscious trigger alarm was going ding, 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 something's up here, mm -hmm. something's up. I'm like, oh, no thanks. You know, it was a free estimate. I go, I'll think about it. Standard objection that he didn't even try to fix. But anyway... And I found out, I said, well, I got figured this out. I've got YouTube. I mean, you can fix anything with YouTube, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> you, you really can. And I, I'm not being sarcastic. It's awesome. <laughs> it is. I, I fixed a flat screen TV with it, replaced some things, and fixed the dishwasher. So I'm feeling pretty empowered. I opened up the bottom, and I looked in, and there's this thing taped to the side, which is done by the manufacturer, which is how to fix it, which they hide from the consumer. I don't know why <laughs> they do this. Um, I was feeling kind of violated here. So I opened it up, look it up, checked the symptoms, and it had like an error code. It was the water pump. Got it off of eBay for 25 bucks and fixed it. <laughs> This guy wanted it was like two hundred and something dollars. I'm like, you could replace it for that, and I'm, so I'm feeling pretty empowered. Got a lot of points, and now I'm more distrusting than ever those home repair people. So now that we've offended the home repair people, but anyway, well, they're like I the lawyers and the politicians. They don't get to be offended by it. So yeah, I I've had that exact same thing happen. I went through the same thing that you did, and just thought I am not going to pay these guys to do that. And sure enough, yeah, water pump is thirty bucks. Listeners, not hard. If your washer at home isn't pumping water, you can handle this. Two morons have done it. You certainly can. <laughs> yeah, if these two morons can do it, you can do it. If you're having a hard time, find it on YouTube. It's that simple. Yeah, when those subconscious trigger alarms go off, like they're lying to me. They're taking advantage of me. Do it yourself. You can do it. I've had it happen a couple of times with my car. You know, air conditioner goes out or something stops working, and you Google it, and you figure it out, and you just go to the dealer and pick up the part yourself and you can do the install. It's not that big of a deal. It is. I've been doing that more and more lately because I'm not liking that taking an advantage thing. You know, there's that thing of your time is worth something. And people would say, oh, isn't your time more valuable? 
sometimes it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Sometimes it's just the principle of the thing. I struggle with the time thing. Is it worth it for me to do this? I could be working on other things. I could be selling this, but uh, the satisfaction's worth it. It, it really is. Plus, you look like a rock star to your wife. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Lots of points. Yeah, it looks like you know what you're doing. It's pretty great. <laughs> That's true. Well, I've just returned from San Francisco. was speaking at a conference out there to a group of investors. It was a big expo thing. It was actually horribly attended. <laughs> oh, there you go. They always lie about the numbers. Oh, man. They were coming up to me by lunch on the first day. Hey, just want to get out in front of this. Our attendance is really bad. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for trying to make it right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Luckily, the product we were there for only needs two or three people, and we got the two or three people we needed. Other people that depended on volume were not happy campers. Yeah, so San Francisco, awesome as usual. Great food. The seafood risotto at Aliotto's on the wharf. I hate to give you a touristy recommendation, but Aliotto's is very good. So, mm, good eating. Yeah, good eating. And then a little place in North Beach called The House, kind of an Asian fusion. Have this grilled halibut with a cream spinach and white truffle oil tossed in shiitake mushrooms. It was to die for. Well, very descriptive. Yep. Look at that. It was good. It was good. I guess. You're still talking about it with the descriptive language. I know. Everybody's telling me to shut up. Stop yeah. talking about your food. Yeah. yeah. Eat a burger or something. Quit talking. <laughs> a burger. <laughs> I was very refined, but now, yeah, there back to go. burger territory. So uh -huh. I think that's probably enough. At some point, the listeners expect us to stop offending, stop talking about food, and actually talk about something useful. Oh, all right. We have reached that point. We're going to do a little bit of different order today because we've got a guest interview coming up. But before we get there, we need you to cue up the blunder. Homer, go. Don't, don't, don't. There's Homer, and I will feature this blunder. I think there's a couple of blunders involved here. Uh, myself, for not paying my taxes on time. <laughs> I extend every year. I had an accountant tell me once, well, you got to extend because it lessens your chances of an audit. I don't know if that's, that's true. And for the record, to the IRS, I don't need an audit. I pay my taxes, yeah. but doesn't mean I want one, right? Yeah, you're on the radar now. My accountant also told me about that. He said... Hey, look, just because you'd be fine with the colonoscopy doesn't mean you want to have it. <laughs> That's true. Right? So anyways, through the extension process and some of the paperwork that we've had to file, there was a miscommunication, and the IRS thinks I'm late, and they initiated a collection effort. I guess technically I am late, but I did extend according to their guidelines, so they should not have done this. Well, guess what happens is this stuff gets released to a couple of companies somehow, who call you and try to scare the living crap out of you about how the IRS is coming for you. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, this might be a blinja, but I got a message and I've tried to play it over the line here, but it's a very computerized voice and it says that you are the target of a tax investigation. Please call before you are arrested. <laughs> oh, jeez. And I, I Googled the number and sure enough, it's a scam. It's people trying to scare you into... Uh, paying them a bunch of money to settle IRS tax debt. So very, very tacky, huge blunder. We all know fear is a great motivator. Just don't lie. You can use fear when it's real. A dentist telling you you're going to get a cavity, you better take preventative measures. That's one thing. But uh, saying that the IRS is going to come arrest you, which, by the way, they can't, <laughs> is pretty stupid. So that's the blunder of the week is these tax collection companies they advertise all over TV. You'll see them in 
and know what I mean. There you go. Fear is a great thing, but when it's abused, misused, and not believable, it backfires on you every time you lost all credibility, lost all trusts. So definitely a blunder. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're maybe we're not giving our audience enough credit, which we've been known to do. But when mm-hmm. we're telling them, hey, don't lie, but that's kind of the moral of the story. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other part too is even when fear's real and it's not believable, it'll still backfire on you. Uh, that's true. So got to be careful of that. We see that with teaching 16-year-olds how to drive or 15-year-olds how to drive and they see all these videos of death and destruction and cars and bodies in the road. They just laugh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because even though it's real, it probably will happen to them because statistically they're the worst drivers in their mind because of their non-frontal lobelessness as the word of the day. They don't think it's going to happen to them. And so it's not real and it doesn't work. You know, that's kind of going around in our market and it's probably something nationally that a lot of the personal injury law firms are doing have you seen these commercials where somebody's in a car the background is black you know they're not really anywhere but they're in a car and all of a sudden slow-mo they get hit and the glass shatters and and it's talking about car wrecks and call us i I mean we just kind of laugh at that stuff I, i guess we're not the target audience i hope i never am that target audience but yeah fear is uh something that people are trying to use and it's very effective when used correctly and very cheesy when not. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we are going to cut now to an interview with Kim Addis of Frame of Mind Coaching. I had a very good chat with Kim while Kurt was on his fake trip to the Middle East. <laughs> we, yeah, very good discussion about accountability for busy professionals and executives and how they can perform at a higher level, especially when they're feeling stressed and overwhelmed. They're in a sales position or something where they have to get results. We're going to cut now to our interview with Kim Addis. My pleasure to welcome to the show Kim Addis. Kim is the president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and Journal Engine Software. She's recognized as one of North America's foremost experts on performance through mastery. Kim, you're coming to us from, is it Toronto? Yes, I'm in Toronto. Okay, great, great. Toronto, I'm actually headed there on business in a few weeks, so I'll, I'll have to look you up and maybe we can go have a bite or something. But that's, well, but uh, if you're, if you're yeah. going to come, then I need to prep you. It's Toronto, not Toronto. <laughs> oh, Toronto. There's no T at the end? <laughs> well, there is. You just don't pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> I try to pronounce the T because uh, everybody tells me. Now I'm talking to the one place on earth that tells me it's okay not to. <laughs> yeah, it's the one place on earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Now we're fully educated on Canadian pronunciation. I've actually been watching the Olympics. I watched the Canadians beat the U.S. men's volleyball team up pretty good yesterday. I don't know if you're aware of that. I'm not, but I am aware of the women's swimming and how they did a great job and are getting some medals. Bring yeah. them home. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty fun to watch. Pretty fun to watch. My daughter's been bouncing around the house. She thinks she's a gymnast now. (laughs) Good for her. (laughs) How old is your daughter? She's going to be nine here in about a month. Is that your only child? No, no. I've got three more behind that. Oh, way to go. Behind that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. A lot of work, but it's kids. Most rewarding thing and challenging thing that you ever do. You have a couple of kids too, right? I have actually five. You have five. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I got a busy life, just like you. <laughs> you certainly do. I'm impressed you found time to record a podcast today. Oh, no worries. This is the easy part of my day. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. They're waiting for you yeah. <laughs> for when this is over. <laughs> well, good, Kim. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I, had, I have some questions for you. But first of all, kind of the softball, right? The easy one. Your website is Frame of Mind Coaching. So why did you start that? And I guess what is it? What sets it apart from 
other coaching programs? Oh, what a beautiful question. Uh, so <laughs> I've been doing this for 11 years. And let me kind of give you a little bit of background. Before I did this, I owned an assessment company and we used to build simulation-based software. And the purpose of those assessments was to help companies of all sizes make better hiring decisions. And so we would test people for their IQ, for their personality traits, for their skills. At the time, we worked with a lot of salespeople, not exclusively, but quite a few salespeople. And what we were trying to figure out is what makes a better salesperson? What makes a better leader? What makes a better entrepreneur? What makes a better, right? And what we discovered was one very important factor is that people with a higher degree of emotional resilience we're going to be much more likely to succeed in any field doing anything than anyone else. And so that piece of information is super important because when I ran my company at the time, we did a very good job. We were very successful and I own the company with two other people. One of them happens to be my ex-husband now. And so when our marriage fell apart, it was very difficult for us to keep working together and I ended up selling my shares and right after I got out of my business, I ended up getting hired by a coaching company. And so I, and a local company here in Toronto, and I sort of started to observe how is coaching done in the traditional sense. And I thought to myself, man, this doesn't feel right. And how was it done? They coach salespeople. And here's how they did it. They helped the salesperson create a business plan and they helped the person break that plan down into smaller manageable components. And then they held that person accountable for getting the stuff done. And I thought to myself, you know what? Salespeople by and large know what they're supposed to be doing, but some of them struggle to get it done. And it has nothing to do with their skill set. It has nothing to do with their ability to build a plan. Something else is at play. And it has to do with their emotional resilience. It has to do with their thinking. It has to do with how they feel about what they're doing. It has to do with their mindset. And that's when I started Frame of Mind Coaching. I thought, you know what? If I could help people build their toughness, their emotional resilience, if I could help people there, then they would naturally take the actions that they knew they needed to take in order to succeed. And so that's where it all started. That's a great answer. And you're right. I haven't thought about it in that context before. Salespeople, they know what they got to do, right? That's knowing is the easy part. It's getting up every morning and actually doing it. And when you got to take that rejection on the chin. Right. And so you've already framed it, right? You framed it that it's hard, that it's filled with rejection and that, you know, the way that you just put it together made it sound not like such an attractive right, yeah. job. And so that mindset around uh, what they have to do every day already feels negative, already feels tough and heavy. So how do we switch that up? How do we want to get up every day? How do we make it something that is exciting and fun and interesting and challenging and rewarding? Right. And that has to do with how we think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you then, why would our listeners need a coach? And you basically have answered that. So when you take a really motivated and charged up salesperson or a business owner, somebody like that, who didn't have a coach, they hire Kim's company. What do you typically start to see them doing and how do you start to see them changing their way of thinking within a month or two of having a coach involved in their life? Well, so, you know, your question was interesting. You said, what do, you, what do they typically start doing? And, and here's exactly the issue is that a lot of people who want to achieve different results, they start doing a whole bunch of things. They start taking what we call, quote unquote, massive action. We've heard of that. Other coaches talk about it. You eventually have to take action if you want to get the results you're getting, except that there's something that happens before taking action that a lot of coaches, a lot of trainers skip over. And that is the thought process, right? Thought proceeds 
action. And we miss that part. And so what happens is that people go and take massive action with old thinking an old approach. And that doesn't work together because what ends up happening is that you're, it's like being on a treadmill, you're running really, really fast and getting nowhere. And you're like, I don't understand. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm not getting the results. And that's because fundamentally your thinking isn't aligned with your goal. And so what do we do with people is we examine their thinking and we examine how their thinking often leads to the results they want, but how sometimes their thinking just really paralyzes them and interferes with their ability to get the outcomes they want. So we might have a salesperson or like I work with the highly driven population. So I might have a senior executive, for example, who is, is struggling for some reason. They keep getting into conflict or they're very frustrated or they're totally stressed, completely overwhelmed. They're exhausted. Maybe they also have four kids and they go home and they don't have the bandwidth for those kids and they're frustrated and they lose their temper. And what we do is we examine their thinking. How do we do that? What we do is we always begin with a 10-week coaching period. I mean, we coach people for a lot longer than that, but it's the first 10 weeks that is formidable. It's like that's the foundation of coaching. And here's what happens in those 10 weeks. There's a call once a week. Every call is recorded. And what we want to do is we want to have our clients listen to the recording so that they can start to hear themselves speak out loud. And they can pay attention to how they show up. They can hear their language, their tone, the stories they tell over and over again. They can see their own perspectives. And being able to objectively view where they're coming from is very, very important. The second part of what we do when we coach people is we ask them to journal every single day for the duration of the coaching period. No weekends, no vacations, no days off, every single day. And every time they journal, their journal goes to one of our coaches. I have a team of eight coaches who reads and responds to the journal. And so there's a daily interaction. So we we're just talking about the Olympics, right? And how does it work in the Olympics? How much time does a coach spend with their athlete? Do you know? Any idea? Oh, well, I have no idea. It probably would depend on the sport, but... But um, a lot of time, right? Yeah. It's pretty intense. Uh -huh. And the coach starts to learn every nuance, every move. And this is a very, very intimate relationship. Well, in the world of frame of mind coaching, it's just as intimate because we're in contact daily. And we're going very deep, very quickly into the real depths of your mind and your emotions and the way that you look at life. And when we start to show you how your thinking is creating the results you're getting, and we help you shift your thinking so you're getting results you want to get rather than the results you're getting, like it's incredible. So it's a very deep, personal, intense, and completely transformational experience. I'm sure everybody's different here, but do you see some common themes in those mental roadblocks that are holding people back? Well, in general terms, yes, but each person experiences them differently. So for example, I had a client who, uh, when he first started with me, he said, I have a short temper, I lose my fuse easily, and I'll call myself a rager. When I get mad, like I really get mad, I yell, I throw things, I punch walls, I break things. And 10 weeks later, he's the most gentle <laughs> a soul you could ever find. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just, he's not that guy anymore. He just completely changed. But the question is, what triggers the rage? And what we find is people's triggers are very often very similar. So another person might withdraw. Another person might give up. Another person might lash out. Another person might run away. I mean, we get we have different reactions mm -hmm. to similar triggers. Okay. What would you tell somebody who's usually pretty driven, but they've, they've hit one of those patches? I mean, we can't all be motivated all the time. 
yep. right? When you just don't feel like doing something that, that mentally you know it's got to be done, but you just don't have the gas in the tank, or at least that's the way it feels. What do you tell people about that? Well, I think that people often keep going when they don't have gas in the tank and they go through the motions. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is they negatively inf infect their environment and they're not getting the results they want to get. And so for me, if you don't have gas in your tank, stop for a minute and go get gas in your tank, right? <laughs> like just stop, take a break, go, you know, take a day off, breathe, get some fresh air, go for a walk, go to the beach, go to the forest, do something, go shopping. It doesn't really matter, but take a break and refuel. And part of what we do with our clients to help them refuel is journaling. Because journaling allows you to kind of unload all the stuff that's weighing you down and it helps you to really turn and face the direction you want to go in. And so often I feel like people are still plugging along or plodding along is a better term when they're really depleted and they don't give themselves the opportunity to refuel. So that's one thing that's very important. The other thing is that people plod along and they're heading in the wrong direction. I'll give you a perfect example. Mm -hmm. The other day, my daughter, 17, she took a subway. She went downtown with a bunch of friends. She went to, like, we have a games cafe kind of thing. And you can play a whole bunch of different games. Anyway, after the end of their game session, she went back to the subway. And she discovered that the entrance that she came out of was locked and she couldn't go back in. So she called my husband. She says, I'm kind of lost. The entrance is locked. I need another entrance, but I don't know how to get there. Can you help me? And his first question was, well, where are you now? Like, where are you facing? What direction are you in? What do you see around you? What street are you on? And what she did was she got oriented. Where am I? Because if all of a sudden she just kept walking, who knows where she would have landed, right? Yeah. And so that's what a lot of us do. We just keep walking. We start taking massive action. We just go. Let's go. We know we can't be here. This is the wrong place. So let's just go without first figuring out where they are. And for me, that's one of the most important things about getting out of the funk is where am I now? Then where is it that I want to go? But the where am I now is critical for being able to get to where you want to go. Yeah, that's that's true. I had to give directions to somebody over the phone, actually an Uber driver the other day, and he wouldn't oh. shut up long enough for me to help orient him. <laughs> mm -hmm. I couldn't find out where he was. So what does it matter what I tell him, right? Exactly. If you just say go straight, well, okay, that's meaningless. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything at all. Right. How would you coach somebody that is really a, a very busy executive and feels pulled in so many different directions and feels like they couldn't possibly have enough hours in the day to do everything that they believe that they're required to do? What do you say to somebody like that? Well, you said the key word is that they believe they're required to do. So we look at someone like Richard Branson, you know, imagine how much is on his plate. How yeah. come? I mean, he has the same hours in a day as I do. Why does he achieve so much more? Because his beliefs are different. Fundamentally, the way he looks at the world, what he believes to be true is different. And the way he structures his life is completely different. And that's all based on his thinking. The person you described just now is every single one of my clients who has an idea that they have to do a million things. And one of the first things we do is we challenge that idea. Is it true that you're the only one who could do this stuff? Is it true that this is the best use of your time? Is it true that there are no other resources available who could step in and take that over? Is it true that this delivers the greatest value to your life, to your business, to your sales, to your whatever, right? Is it true? And we start to challenge it. And when people are open to being challenged, they start to say, hey, you know, like I'm creating a life for myself that is overwhelming and stressful and I don't have to do that. I could create it differently and I can access a whole bunch of resources that before now I've tuned out. 
So that's what we do. So two questions on that then. Number one, we're looking at all these tasks that somebody thinks that they have to do, and you're you're implying, I think correctly so, that they don't have to do all them. Or maybe they might, but the question is the client has to stop and think about yes. it, which they have not done, uh, yes. obviously, up until this point. But how do you help somebody decide You know what can stay and what should go, what needs to be delegated? I mean, what's that conversation like? Well, I'll give you an example. One of my clients has stage four cancer and he owns a valuation company. And so he was doing valuations and sales and he was up early and uh, and staying up late and drinking sodas and, and just totally not taking care of himself. And for me, when he came to me, I'm like, okay, what are you looking for? He came as a referral. What, what do you want from coaching? He said, I want you to make me more productive. I'm like, really? Is that what you really want? Like, how long do you have to live? He's like, oh, I'm guessing about two years. I'm like, so in the next two years, you just really want to work a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? And he's like, well, not exactly. Actually, what I want to do is I want to do all these things that are on my bucket list. Like, I have all these plans. I'm like, well, how are you going to do that if all you're doing is working harder? Right? And so what I helped him realize is, A, what he really wanted, which was different from being more productive. He actually wanted more space and time in his life to do other things. And so that's number one. Number two is I helped him realize that in his company that we could, we, we started hiring the right people to start taking off a huge amount of workload from his personal plate. And we started taking care of him a little bit better. He wants to travel. Okay, go travel. Sleep better. Sleep is super important. Like there are some things we can't compromise here. And so we reconfigured his life and we brought in the resources that he could outsource, right? That he could comfortably give that work away to someone else where he said, hey, that person's even better than I am. So you said comfortably give away. Yes. That's the issue I have. That delegation front is nobody can do these things as well as I can, of course. <laughs> right. right. How do you get clients comfortable with that? Because they've got to give up some control if they're going to get past that overwhelmed feeling. Well, and it's how do we give up control? Like I have this ideology, right? Like it's like if I'm giving you my child, my baby, I want to make sure that before I let go, like I'm literally holding on to my baby before I let go, I want to make sure you got a good grasp on things, right? Like I don't want to let go and then boof, the baby falls to the floor. I don't want that. And so when I'm handing over a task or a job, I want to do the same thing. And I can do that in a manageable fashion. I don't just have to like throw the baby at the person and run off. That's I can do it in a way where I feel comfortable and safe, but not doing it is not an option. Can you think of a recent example, real life, where you've helped a client do just that and kind of walk us through how it happened and how they were able to get comfortable with it? I might be putting you on the spot there, but... Uh, well, this is a I perfect have. example. Like, yeah. uh, for example... Uh, with this particular client and he brought in someone who can do valuations instead of him doing all the work from start to finish, right? So what he did is he brought him in, he showed him his, you know, they call them valuation models. He gave him a few tests. He said, let's work on this one together. Let me see what you can do. Okay, so maybe that person did 50% of the work, then he did 75% of the work. And when he saw that the guy had a really great handle on the work, he's like, you know what? do 100% of the work and let me just check it off when you finish. Now he doesn't need to check it off at all. And so it's gradual increments of handing things over. It's all, it's doable. This show is called Maximize Your Influence. It implies yeah. that many of our listeners are here to learn how to do more in less time and yeah. be more effective. What do you tell somebody for, as a coach that wants to be more persuasive and more influential? Where do you start them? 
Yeah, I'll tell you something that we often think that being more influential and more persuasive means our language needs to get better, means we have to have more convincing arguments, means we have to spin a story better, means we need to strong arm someone sometimes. And I would say to you that that's all completely inaccurate. Your greatest form of influence is how you show up, how you be how you listen, how you pay attention, how you stay present. And all of that is a function of your ability to manage your own thinking. So your greatest influence is the modeling that you do. And it's the way that you are able to see what's in front of you. So if let's say I'm in front of a client, my greatest influence is my ability to understand their situation and help them see how my solution could be the answer for them right? And it's the listening characteristic. It's the ability to be present. It's the ability to shut my thinking down where I just want to jump in and talk about myself or where I want to persuade them to purchase coaching, for example. I don't need to do any of that. All I need to do is be super, super present. And I would say to you that a lot of people struggle with being present. Yeah. Yeah. Present company included. So (laughs) how do you, how do you do that? I mean, how do you detach? Because we're there. We're persuading because we're earning a living or we've got some objective that we want to complete. Yeah. But how do you make that? How do you disconnect from, I want to persuade this person so I, my business can be successful and basically release that to the point of, I'm here 100% for the client, no matter what the outcome may be. Well, it, it's very interesting, right? So I'm going to make a parallel. I coach people who sometimes have to let go of their employees right? Sometimes that happens. And they feel terrible. They feel bad. Well, why do they feel terrible? And why do they feel bad? Because they think that they're doing something bad for the employee. And that's not really the truth. If the employee isn't in the right spot, and they're not performing well, and they're fundamentally not living up to their potential, there's maybe a better place for them out there. And if you don't believe that to be the case, then you're not a good leader for them anyways, right? Like, I always tell leaders, always be 100% for your employees, inside or outside of the company. Always want their well-being, their success, their thriving, no matter what, whether they're with you or without you. And when you're coming from that place, it's easy to let someone go because you can see that they're not happy. You can see that they're not successful. And you believe that they have the ability and the resources and the wherewithal to find success elsewhere. Now, let's flip that over and say, with that mentality, can we apply that to clients? Yes. So I believe that every client who comes my way has a need. And I'm not necessarily the exact right person who can fulfill that need. But if all I care about is the clients uh, helping the client address their problem or their situation, then chances are that dedication, that commitment to helping them solve their problem will help me be more persuasive. It's that commitment. It's just that plain old desire to get them what they need, even if even if I'm not always the right fit. Yeah. Yeah. I find that to be, I guess, ironic is the word. But yeah, that's when you really do unlock your power as a persuader is when that's the interest that you have is their best interest. And you just become a lot better at what you do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's a question. And before you answer, I want to tell you there's there's two answers I don't want. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So who needs your coaching? Answer one that I don't want is everybody. And answer two is, well, it's every situation is so unique. I can't say. No, I I can tell you. Yeah. Give me some specifics on who needs this. 
Well, I'm going to tell you who I coach and who tends to benefit the most from this. How's that? Is that a fair? That's exactly what I wanted. Okay. So I coach a very, very specific type of person. I coach the highly driven population who has four things in common. Number one is they have big goals that they want to achieve. Number two is that they're fundamentally really good people and they want to make a positive difference in the world. They want to, um, you know, give a lot of money. They want to be charitable. They want to go build homes for humanity. They want to do good things in the world. Number three is that they are spirited individuals and they want to really milk what life has to offer. They want to travel. They want to have amazing relationships. They want to be in great health. They want to experience the luxuries of life. You know, they're just full of life kind of people. And the last one is they tend to get in their own way and be frustrated about the same things over and over again, stress, overwhelm, that type of thing. And they just bat heads with people. Sometimes they have their fiery individuals and they have, you know, very intense emotions. That's my client. That's good. That's good. So where can people go to learn more about what it is you do? frameofmindcoaching.com. And I encourage everybody, you know, I spoke before about being oriented, finding your orientation before taking action. And on the website, there's an assessment and that assessment will help you just figure out where am I right now. So I encourage everybody to take that assessment. And what happens is that after you finish the assessment, one of our coaches will actually schedule an appointment with you and review it with you. And it's one of the most powerful starting points for anyone who's really looking to make a change or really maximize their potential. It's an amazing place to start. Frameofmindcoaching.com. Yep. Okay, great. Kim, thanks so much for coming on the show. You've been great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Wow, that was a great interview with Kim, and we learned a lot of great things about emotional resilience. In fact, big picture, the accountability, working with coaches. We all need a coach. doesn't matter how great you are. You look at the greatest people in sports, Michael Jordan, whoever you want to pick, you need a coach because what you think you're doing right or wrong and what you're actually doing right or wrong is very different. That's why you need to find an honest prospect that will tell you, hey, let me tell you why I'm not going to buy from you. Let me tell you why I don't like you. Let me tell you why you blew your presentation. Even though it's painful at times, it's refreshing because if we don't know, we can never fix it. We can never change it. We can never adjust it, and we get stuck in that pattern, and we never improve. Yep. It's true. That's what really stuck with me is Kim mentioned on the call, too, that they'll record coaching sessions and play back things for those being coached to listen to. They can hear how they talk about themselves. And just hearing yourself speak, a lot of times it's going to help you learn a lot about yourself and the beliefs that you have about you and your business that may not be true or that might need to be modified. And we see that time and time again when we interview prospects is what the Persuader thinks they're doing and they're actually doing are two very different things. For example, trust. We've talked about trust today. And that's one of the fun things that we get to do is we interview people on both sides. So we talk to the persuader, did you build trust? And nine out of ten times they'll say, yeah, they trusted me. And then you talk to the prospect, it's like one or two out of ten times. And that's a huge disconnect. That's why it's important to really have someone that has an unbiased opinion that can really steer you in the right direction. Exactly, exactly. I really like the chat that I had with Kim. She doesn't pull any punches. So... Great interview. Make sure you check out Kim's website at frameofmindcoaching.com. And thank you for listening to this episode of Maximize Your Influence. We'll catch you next week. Go out, persuade with power.